welcome to the show where it's always dad pod season. Your two dadical dudes will take you on a journey about fatherhood. If you've ever struggled with an aspect of parenthood and wanted to know how other dads would handle it, or if you're a mother and want to know just what the hell is going on in our brains, or if you have a burning question and no one to turn to, remember that here you can always ask your dad. everybody to ask your dad with nick and nick i'm nick and i'm nick we're your two dedicated involved loving fathers guiding you down the path of dadness and we're definitely not just babysitting the kids we are not babysitting the kids we're actually going to talk about that today um but before we do uh we're coming back from thanksgiving break nick how was your thanksgiving uh it was really great i went up to georgia and spent time with my family up there um there were, I believe, there were 22 of us there. Oh, my God. I didn't count, but I heard that number once, so that's the number I'm going with. <laughs> um, we had two turkeys and a brisket. Everyone got to spend quality time together. I don't remember there being any any kind of drama, so no family drama. Woo! Hey, that's a win. <laughs> a win's a win. A win's a win. That sounds awesome. And it was beautiful up there. Uh, it was cold. It was cool, but not cold. Okay. So, very, very different change from what it was like down here. Well, oh, it was yeah. gone. Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It actually was kind of nice down here for Thanksgiving. No. It okay. wasn't, like, too bad, actually. Um, down here being Florida, for those of you who don't know. Um, yeah, the weather down here was pretty cool and nice on Thanksgiving week. I don't remember particularly on Thanksgiving because we didn't go outside. We stayed inside and ate all the food. Um, but I remember doing a lot of outside activities with my kids and with um, with my in-laws' kids. We actually ended up having three Thanksgivings this year. All right. Which was uh, a lot. Um, normally, well, not normally. When my wife and I were in college, we lived in Tallahassee with her brothers. And um, it would became a tradition where her parents would come up every year. Because all the kids were up, so why not? Yeah, um, that makes sense. So they would come up for Thanksgiving every year, and you know I was living up there as well. But I would every other year come back home because I didn't want to skip out on my family every year. So I'd come back home every other year, do one up in Tallahassee, do one down in Sarasota, and uh, it got to the point where my family didn't believe that she was real. She's like, "Where's your girlfriend?" I've never met her before. I don't think she exists. So that was a running <laughs> joke that went on for a pretty long time, actually, until we finally got her down there one time. Um, but I don't live in Tallahassee anymore, and I live a lot closer to home. And so um, this was the year that her brothers and her sister-in-law were going to come down to everybody down here, which had never happened before since I've been in the family. Um, so they came down. And so because they came down on Thanksgiving time, my mom was like, well, hey, if you're not going anywhere, let's do a Troyer Thanksgiving too. Uh, so we hosted a Thanksgiving, uh, I want to say on November 13th. So like even before we were on break from school, um, my family came down and, well, they didn't have to come down. They lived 
20 minutes away. Uh, but they, they came over and had a bunch of people come over from my side of the family. Um, both my dad's and my mom's side of the family came and visited and we had a lot of fun. And I love when my mom comes over for Thanksgiving cause she takes over the kitchen cause I have no idea how to cook a turkey and I sh- I'm 36. I should figure this out, but I just never had to do it before. Cause either my mom took care of it down here or when I was in Tallahassee, uh, my wife's brother would take care of it up there. So it just never, never became a skill that I needed yet. So the turkey finally caught up with you. Yeah. So my mom came over and did it and took care of it. And that was awesome. And then my wife this year was really adamant about doing a Friendsgiving where we invited a bunch of people who were specifically not family or family adjacent to come over. And we invited a bunch of people invited you by the way yeah uh, we invited a bunch of people <laughs> uh we invited a bunch of people actually a ton of people couldn't go because it was the sunday before everyone went on thanksgiving break so you know a bunch of people wanted to travel and stuff you know obviously you want to beat the thanksgiving crowd on i-75 that's why i wasn't there yep. <laughs> so uh, uh we had friends over we were expecting a lot so we were like okay here's the problem we just invited a bunch of our really good friends and we want them to have a good time and it has come to our attention that we don't know how to cook the turkey yet. <laughs> so we did uh, the Honey Baked Ham Company and ordered a fully cooked turkey and ham, which turned out delicious, but we were just oh, like, nice. we felt like we cheated. Uh, we definitely cheating. We definitely spent a lot more money than we should have on a turkey and a ham, but we didn't have to do any of the work and we didn't have to embarrass ourselves. So I think it was worth it in the end. I think so. Plus, I never thought of, you know, having catered food for like a holiday was cheating anyway, because... Over at the Honey Baked Ham, that's all they do. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to be perfect every time. And it was. It was so, delicious. We had a ton of leftover, too, which is always my main concern for Thanksgiving after family time is like, all right, how many lunches at work can I have out of this before it, the next Thanksgiving this year? <laughs> um, then, of course, on actual Thanksgiving, we went to her parents' house. Uh, went to her parents' house and had an awesome time. And uh, my kids got to play with her and her um, brother's kids, and they're very similar in age. In fact, their youngest and my youngest are only three days apart. Cousin time. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. it was really good. But now we're back. We're back. So just why we're on, just why we're still on the holiday subject, I think it's interesting to me that you you have three Thanksgivings this year, because my family, my you, my wife, and my kids used mm-hmm. to do that too. Um, when we only had two kids, we kept doing it, and um, I guess your family is a little closer. Than, than the families that I was visiting, but I would go, I would go from my house up to here, from here over to the town my mom lives in, which is sixty miles away, and then back to Sarasota <laughs> for the last Thanksgiving. Would you do all that on one day? We'd do all that on one oh, day. That, oh, and it was so hard on us. It was very hard on the children because at that point half half their day was in the car. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I started learning to cook the food. Yes. <laughs> because I was like, listen, everyone, we love you all, but we're not going to all your houses for Thanksgiving. Yep. Y'all come to our house. It's too hard on the kids to travel like that. And we'll just eat here. Or I'll, or we pick somebody else's just one sure. house to go right. cook and eat at. And everyone can meet there. That's the way to do it. Because just doing the math in my head, that's a 50-mile trip, then a 60-mile trip, and then a... I don't know, the Pythagorean theorem of that all the way back. Yeah, big um, old triangle yeah. there. So that's a lot. I have the advantage because when my mom comes over, she just does the cooking. So, of course, I'll host Thanksgiving. Right? <laughs> the space part, you know, the seating my wife gets on a lot of every year is like, we need to rent tables and chairs. There's not enough seating. I'm like, I mean, there is, but she doesn't agree with me. Um, 
But cooking wise, like, yeah, I got the advantage on that. Come to me. If you want to take my kitchen, take it. Just come to me and I'll reap the rewards later. <laughs> Let me get out of your way and you do what you do best. <laughs> so now we covered the holiday break. We can get into the nitty gritty of today's episode, which I guess I would generally call it dad culture. That might be a good way to put it. Um, because it's a few mini topics that are all involved in being a dad. And it's something that all dads share, which is, you know, fathering their children. Yeah. And then I think, I think with just looking at the list here that I know we're going to cover, just the kind of perception of others, of dads, and kind of how they're treated sometimes, or maybe not even treated or stereotyped, but just like the stigma around uh, fatherhood and certain situations that fathers end up in that they're supposed to be uncomfortable with, or, or maybe, I don't know, raises an eyebrow with other people that aren't in the know. I know we have a list. I don't know what order we should go in. Whatever one you want. Let's start with the most recent. <gasps> My little girl's going to be maybe embarrassed if she listens to this. <laughs> but hopefully it will help thicken her skin a little bit and make her feel more comfortable with her body. So my little girl is 12, and she recently started her period. So she didn't tell me or her mom about it at first. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So my wife noticed that her feminine products, her pads were gotten into. Okay. So my wife was, like, talking to her, and she's like, hey, were you just curious and, like, trying to see what this was about? Or did you read the box and... You're just like, oh, let's see what they look like when you open them. And she was like, no, mom, I need them. (laughs) And my wife was like, oh, (laughs) it's time. And then then, uh, I think I can't remember if this happened on a weekend or after school. But when it happened, my wife told me about it. And I I thought someone asked us on our on our post about the podcast about dads in pop culture and like good ones and bad ones and mm-hmm. stuff. And we kind of teased that, Hey, you know, we already discussed that and wanted to talk about <laughs> it a little bit. And I thought about, you know, what pop culture dads would do good ones and bad ones. And I was like, well, I don't know when to do anything that the bad ones do. Right. Like <laughs> I want to be supportive. I want to normalize the situation mm-hmm. for her. I don't want her to be embarrassed because this is something that's going to happen for the rest of her life, for a long time at least. Yeah. And I want her to feel comfortable telling me what she needs. So I tried to lean into it, super support mode, like probably too supportive. <laughs> I was like, come on, little one, just tell me what you need. I'll go to the store right now and buy it. And I was like, you know what? You don't even have to go. I'll just be the big, large man buying the... <laughs> Find the pads or whatever it is you need. Well, I was even going to say when you mentioned pop culture, like in, in our age growing up, like that was the, that was the trope on TV is like, Oh, she's got her first period time to hit the store or even not even just the daughter, but like the wife is like somehow the, the dad character ends up at the store, just staring aimlessly at the wall of stuff and not knowing what to get. And then being super embarrassed to purchase it and stuff like that. And I just, I feel like that was something that was kind of, well, like I said, it was a trope. It was on TV all the time. Like that was a common, yeah. like we'll get a little punchline in there out of it. And like, oh, the, the bumbling dad can't handle it. Yeah. It's like the low hanging fruit of yeah. the, the comedy situation of it. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, I said I wanted her to be comfortable with it. And for her to be comfortable with it, I have to exude that confidence myself. So I just told her what she needed. I told her, you know, this is something that happens to every woman. Eventually, everybody gets there. And this is her time where she gets there. I went and bought her a little bag to put supplies in. I asked her what her favorite chocolate bar was. <laughs> and I was like, this is your emergency medical chocolate. <laughs> it's like, you don't have to ask to get into this. Because uh, I don't know why I think this, but I think that girls want chocolate during their period. Well, that's another that's another TV trope. Yeah. Um, I remember that watching on TV as well. Um, either the, the pregnant mom or the the menstruating moms like give me ice cream give me chocolate like there is a tangentially related but there's this image burned in my mind of um you know the the woman sobbing on the couch just shoveling spoonfuls of ice cream in her mouth that's like when i was young that was the image of that's kind of like the opposite side of like motherhood's version of this trope that we're talking about is like the emotionally unstable just shoveling food in their mouth to to cope yeah that's their coping yeah and then with the dads is just like just general bumbliness and like incapability was always the trope and so those things are like those are kind of pushed on us in our age growing up in the in the early and late 90s and stuff like that and so yeah when you say like i need i got your emergency medical chocolate i i just think that's what you want um you know there's probably truth in those jokes to a certain extent. So I'm sure she appreciates that chocolate, but like that's, you're wondering where that came from. And that just came from us watching TV when we were young. And that was the image that we had. Yeah. That's what they, they pushed on us. So <laughs> that's what I, that's what I think. Did she appreciate it? She did appreciate no, it. Wins and a win. Wins a win. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my wife was telling me how cute it was, how I like leaned in so far to support it because, you know, from her perspective, she saw the same, you know, bumbling, oh, mm -hmm. dad can't handle the little girl body changing, mm -hmm. puberty and all that. And I didn't respond, you know, the way the sitcoms. Right. So basically, I'm just like, I'm here for you, little one. Whatever you need, just tell me. And that's what we're going to do. And I was like, if anyone at school is trying to pick on you or anything about it, you just need to tell me or tell your teacher, like... I was just trying to think in my head right. everything that I thought might would happen. <laughs> so like we talked about, I just wanted to normalize it, make sure she knew, you know, it's it's a a milestone mm -hmm. and, and educate her the best I could about it. Yeah. And I don't want to speak for all teachers, but you could also let her know that there's a very high chance that her teacher has products in her desk for students that are having this happen for the first time or another time. Um, I mean, I teach in high school, so it's a little bit more frequent, but that, well, I'm a, I'm a boy dad, so I don't know how much I can speak on this <laughs> credibly, but that first, you know, that first moment's very crucial. And like You're you a boy said, dad you want to, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, but probably be boy dad forever. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> That's yeah, taken sorry. care of. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, that, that first moment is, is very intense. I imagine for a young woman. And there is a lot of different like emotions and stuff that go in it, not just chemically, but like just societally of like, oh no, this is happening. What does this mean? Am I an adult? Am I not adult? Then your body's going through changes and your brain's chemically going through changes and hormones are changing your personality slightly. And 
like it's very confusing and tumultuous i imagine and so you know a having the stable parents being like yeah this isn't a big deal let's just go handle it here's some chocolate and then be loving and supporting and you know anything you need that helps a lot but also you know she's gonna this is gonna happen at school at some point because it happens all the time and so just letting her know ahead of time like hey talk to your teacher and let her know that this is happening because i guarantee you um there's stuff there for you. And that's another influence that can help normalize it and make it just a regular, albeit crappy thing that she has to go through all the time. <laughs> that kind of leads me into the next part of that. You know, daughter's in sixth grade, caught her the other day doing something uh, not bad, just uh, <laughs> not something I would like her to do around her. I was going to say, don't build it up too much. <laughs> I know it's not that big of a deal. It's nothing crazy. But she had Googled how to kiss and we had opened up her phone just because one of the other kids needed us to open it for, I think they wanted to download a game or something like that. And uh, when I clicked through, I opened the, the Chrome browser because I have big old giant hands and uh, <laughs> I missed the app store. <laughs> and the first thing I saw, oops, all browsers. <laughs> it was a bunch of uh, images of like lips and teeth. <laughs> and I was just like, what is this? And then I scrolled to the top of the the browser and it was a Google search that said how to kiss. That's hilarious. And uh obviously I had to confront who I thought the culprit was, which was my oldest daughter. And uh if she wasn't embarrassed about the period, she was definitely <laughs> embarrassed about this. <laughs> Oh my God, she was a nervous wreck immediately. My wife was standing right next to me when it happened. I could see like, I could see everything in my wife's eyes. I could see all the images going through her brain. And I was like, oh no, this is another, you know, how we respond is very crucial at this moment. And I'm like, little one, I know that you did this. (laughs) And she looks at me and she's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you did. And she's like, no, it wasn't me. And my wife would chimed in and she's like, you know, your brother and sister aren't old enough to even think about something like this. <laughs> and I could see the fire in her eyes. And I was like, no, we can't turn into the, <laughs> we can't respond that way. We can't so bear I'm like, down. <laughs> I'm just like. Little one, we know it was you and it's okay. You're not in trouble. <laughs> you know, my wife looked over at me and I was like, she's like, just, give she's her a little bit of trouble. <laughs> I was like, I was like, it's okay. It's okay to be curious. I was like, it's not okay to just leave this up on the phone where anyone can see it at any time. And I was just like, I don't know where she's at with being romantically involved with anybody, but she's obviously curious enough to Google that. Sure. So I'm just like, if you're going to look something up like this, that's a little more mature than, you know, PJ Masks, <laughs> <laughs> then you need to make sure that you close the tabs when you're done. Because what if your brother or sister just opened that up and they saw those lips and teeth everywhere? <laughs> and she's like, it wasn't me. Okay. And I was like, no. <laughs> we went back. We went backwards. So... Uh, we got her to calm down a little bit. She was super duper embarrassed, which anybody would be. And, you know, again, we just tried to normalize it, let her know that it's okay to be curious. Other kids in her class are probably doing the same things on her their phones. And 
her first reaction was to lie to us, which I did not like. Yeah. But I was like, look, you're not in trouble. Stop saying it wasn't you. Yeah. And that's your moment to kind of like steer away from that. So in the future, she's more likely to kind of say, like, yeah, I did that. Because she knows, you know, from based on your reactions that, you know, like, okay, this is going to be one of those teachable moments, not a I'm in trouble moment. Yeah. So that's what we, that's what we tried to do. And I could see in my wife's face that if I didn't try to take the lead, it was going to turn into a, you're in big trouble moment. So yeah, not trying to say my wife's super mean or anything. I just, well, no, but it's a radical change. It's a knee jerk reaction to that's her, something we weren't expecting. That's her first kid. Yeah, You know what I mean? That's her, that's her, that's her baby. I mean, I know in most families, the youngest is the baby forever, but. I don't know. It seems like the oldest is the baby forever sometimes, but like, that's, you know, that's a, that's a big deal as a parent to recognize like, Oh, we're here now. This is happening. Yeah. And like, there's a lot of shock on your guys's end as well. And it's really adorable that it was such a wholesome search. Like, just like, <laughs> how do I kiss? Yeah. It was um, in like, like in the realm of everything on the internet that could be searched, um, by a curious youngster, like that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. And in, in like a really wholesome, cute way. Um, and what a perfect like training wheels moment opportunity to like tackle it immediately. So when you're, you know, when your next two kids have to do <laughs> be a little more prepared, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we asked her to, we were like, why was your initial reaction to just lie to us? And she was like, I just didn't want you to think I was one of those weird kids. And I was like, this isn't weird, little one. It's normal. You're supposed to start being curious about your growing up. You're supposed to start being curious about stuff. I feel like we're on a we're on a little bit of a tangent, but not really, because in that same moment, I was also thinking about the first thing that comes to mind is Bad Boys Two, where Martin Lawrence's little girl, she's like fourteen or fifteen, the boyfriend comes over and uh, he's acting all hard when he answers the door, mm-hmm. and Will Smith comes and backs him up. Yeah, and the uh, the boy who knocked on the door is super polite and like respectful and everything and they just like drilling him and being the overprotective stereotype dad the guy with the shotgun who's Mm -hmm. like trying to run off the boys but you know that's just another example of like an unhealthy behavior that a pop culture father has yeah and it's i i'm not qualified enough to tell you where this all stems from or anything but it's definitely something that we have all noticed or you and i as fathers and i'm sure other fathers have too is this stereotype and the idea of maybe leaning into it or trying to shy away from it. And it's, you know, it's the, it's the trifecta. It's, you have to be goofy and you can never do anything right, but you also have to be hyper-masculine and protective of your family at all times with the uncomfortable degree, well, an uncomfortable quickness to violence. And then the third one is you're like emotionally unavailable. Yeah. And so like, that third one wasn't so much as a stereotype for me growing up watching TV because the, I will say the goofy dad stereotype was done to make emotional moments more poignant and like really hit better. So like... It would like subvert your expectations. Right. Where the goofy dad would turn to the emotional available dad. Yeah. When and they, they expected him to go. And they get to have that very special TV moment where, you know, whatever the the specific incidents happen, they can have the, the sit down heart to heart, either man to man or dad to daughter chat. And like, Oh, he gets it. And you, know, you get that one moment, but like it does such a disservice to have that 
character be so like not a good dad for such a consistent amount of time just to have those one little like okay moments once in a while to be honest i'm pulling from like 20 years ago memory but i was a big uh tgif abc channel um friday night tv kid so i was watching you know step by step and then family matters and then the other shows that i can't remember off the top of my head (laughs) but i remember like that was a specific thing that happened all the time like carl winslow was a great dad on tv because you remember those moments where he was a great dad on tv and then the rest of the time he's like steve urkel's trying to date my daughter (laughs) and like this whole like trying to get this kid away from laura and then step by step i remember even less but i do remember patrick duffy as the dad and i remember him having those like i think the show starts off where he comes back from a trip from jamaica and like his kids have been at home for a week by themselves and they're like 13 and like (laughs) he's like hey i met a woman and then like it turns out she he stalked her or something like that like by talking to her travel agent so he would bump into her i did air quotes uh in jamaica And like, I remember, I remember that stuff is like how they got together. But I also remember those moments where like his, his like older nephew was having an issue with that character's dad, who is Patrick Duffy's character's brother, I guess. And, uh, that dad would say something like, you know, I think I know my kid a little bit more than you do. And then Patrick Duffy's character would say something like, well, why does he want to spend all his time in my driveway instead of your house? And so like they set up those moments where he's like, oh, okay. And, uh things like fresh prince of bel-air was the same way where uncle phil was like you knew he was a good dad and like he was strong and protective and provided and all that stuff but like his relationship as a character to the other characters was the punching bag for the most of the time until uncle phil needed to step up to handle something and then all of a sudden it's like oh okay and um i don't know some of those examples are way more egregious than others but like that dad stereotype that i grew up watching on tv is so it's so much different than the dad i want to be so much different than the dad that I see other people being all the time. And uh, I think it was a little bit of a culture shock because I was in my head when my first son was born. I was like, I'm going to be a good dad. I'm going to be available. I'm going to do all this stuff. And then um, part of me expected that to be this big, special, important thing that was like unique. And then I think I've come to realize as I've met more dads my age that like that's not a unique thing necessarily. Like that's happening a lot. And I think that's a really cool realization to realize that. Um, these more available dads are more, I mean, not more available dads, but like these less, less stereotypical examples of fatherhood are good. But I feel like sometimes like the perception from others hasn't caught up all the way. Yeah. So there's like, well, here's an example. Sometimes I'll take one of my girls or both of my girls with me and maybe my son will be with my mom or with their mom. Anyway, so I go to the store. Maybe it's Target or Publix because they're the closest to my house. And, you know, I don't want to show them my receipt when I leave Walmart. So I don't go there no more. (laughs) (laughs) And people will give me looks because, you know, I'm a big giant man. And I'm walking around the store with two little girls. And people will, sometimes they'll stare at me. And it makes me feel uncomfortable because I feel like they don't think I should be out with my daughters like they think that you know the worst of me maybe sure but you know i don't feel that way when i'm out with them and i know they don't feel that way they're probably just happy to go to the store with dad because they know he's gonna buy them candy (laughs) (laughs) well let me let me ask you this question because this is something that's gone through my mind a bunch of times and honestly probably even before i became a father like in the process of the first pregnancy and all that stuff is kids having like tantrums or a a quick meltdown in the public 
I almost said Publix, but in public. Um, and that just kind of like, I feel like a slight nervous sweat of just like, if I'm walking out of this store holding a child and he's screaming, no, put me down as a man, I feel like that's going to send a very strong message to somebody who doesn't know anything about me or my family that like, they're going to send up like red flags and danger alerts and stuff. And like my, maybe not worst nightmare, but one of a scenario that I'm afraid of happening one day is to be in that scenario and like maybe shopping with my kids and my wife and like maybe the little ones okay, but the, the older ones acting out or just, you know, just like, okay, I'm going to pick you up. We're going to go walk out of the store. We're going to have a conversation or whatever. And then the process, he's like screaming and kicking and stuff. I feel a little nervous that someone's going to approach me and be like, Hey, who are you? And blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to have to like prove that I'm a father to this child, which is really annoying. Um, especially because that just has not ever happened to me. And so I feel like that's something that somehow got ingrained in my mind. That's not necessarily a real thing I'll ever experience, but I still think of it all the time. And I don't know where that came from. Well, I feel like maybe other people's perceptions sometimes, like you said, they haven't caught up with where we're at as parents, where, you know, they don't think a dad should be emotionally available. They think he should just go to work and come home and, hmm. you know, whatever other stereotype you might see on t television. So, you know, if you are at the park with your kids by yourself, your wife's not there because she's doing whatever she feels like that day. <laughs> are you going to get judged? And the answer is yes, people are going to judge you because when you take your kids to the park by yourself, it's a bunch of moms usually. Mm -hmm. And they're staring at you like, why is this grown man at the park? I've experienced that at least. Yeah. I experienced something similar to that at work. And I think I know where you're going with that, where it's like that kind of like that kind of snarky attitude is like, Oh, you're babysitting today. And I was like, mm, well, I don't get paid to do it cause I'm their actual father. So that really kind of snarky attitude, which I used to be able to say, I've never actually experienced that, but I actually experienced that at work one time. And, uh, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this cause she still works there. Cause this happened at the beginning of this school year. <laughs> um, but obviously I'm not going to name well, names or anything like that. Just don't say it happened at work. Oh, okay. We'll just edit that out <laughs> and just say it happened to me recently and this is what happened. Um, no, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say it was at work. Okay. It was at work. It was at work. Um, she still works there. She does. Seemingly a nice person, but she just, this was my first interaction with this person. It super rubbed me the wrong way. So it's the, it's the first day everyone comes back. So at our school, we get um, usually a week, usually like five days. Um, to come in and the first day is usually like, Hey, how have you been? Here's a little like breakfast for everybody. And we chit chat and do our little faculty meeting and everything and welcome everybody back. And so we're in this breakfast in the cafeteria and we're hanging out and, um, I sit down next to some teachers that I know and I'm friendly with and, um, this other teacher is sitting there and I had not met her before. So everyone's talking about their summers and everything. And I was, um, my youngest son was born in January. So this would be. August, so early August. So just a, like six months in one of the cutest stages for a baby. And I'm just <laughs> gushing. And like, I love my kids and I had such a good summer with them. And, um, and so I was talking about that and I was like, man, I made some like offhand comments like, man, I wish I didn't have to go back to work. I'd love to be a stay at home dad and just like play with my kids all the time. And admittedly, I suppose it was my fault for using the phrase play with my kids. Cause that's what she responded to. And she said something to the effect of, uh, well, that's a typical man response, play with the kids, huh? Like, and like, it's about like, what about all the other housekeeping stuff? Like, yeah, no shit. Um, I was just trying to emphasize that I was enjoying the time with my children and like, it super pissed me off. And, uh, 
I just like immediately didn't talk to that person for the rest of the day. <laughs> well, also, you know, part of being a parent is playing with your kids. Yeah. Like you have to play with them. It teaches them how to socialize with people. And I'm really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> you are really good at it. And, uh, you know, I haven't been around you a whole lot with your kids, but you're, you're an affectionate father, which is great. You know, you're not afraid to hug your children. You know, you're not afraid to give them a little kiss on the cheek. Yeah. And I feel like maybe society isn't comfortable with that kind of sometimes. Yeah. And then I understand it, I guess. Like, I don't agree with it, but I, I guess I understand why they feel that way. But like, those are the moments of fatherhood that I relish the most. You know, when my son wakes up and he, I'm like, hey, give me a hug. And he gives me this big hug. That's awesome. When my wife's holding our youngest son and he turns and sees me and he just throws his entire body in my direction because he wants me to hold him for a minute. I love that. That's the best stuff. Like, that's what fatherhood's made of. Exactly. You know, like, that's a dream about that stuff before I became a dad. And um, I just hate that it was so dismissive. All it was like me showing affection for my children was like, oh, you just play with the, of course you just play with the kids. I don't know. It really, it really took me by surprise. I didn't expect that to happen at my place of work. But like, that's, that was my first experience of like that kind of dismissive of like, oh, you're just, you get to be the fun parent and the moms have to do all the work. And that just hasn't been my experience in my, my house. Um, my wife and I are both the fun parent and we both do the work. Um, you know, not to, not to brag or anything, but I get up overnight with the kids like 300 times more than she does because she exclusively pumps. And after a certain point, she can't hold the baby anymore because it causes her physical harm. So I get up every night to soothe my children. In fact, last night I got up at least six times because both of them were at it. But, you know, it's that you'd never know what anybody else's household looks like or what they're going through and to make those judgments on stereotypes, which this is not news to anybody because stereotypes are harmful for any time they're ever used ever. But, you know, this this kind of dad stereotype is, it's a new thing I've experienced and I don't I don't much care for it. Yeah, plus, you know, this is a personal stereotype against us so right. we're yeah, gonna well, we're gonna fair. be more sen- we're gonna be more sensitive to it yeah <laughs> so i have an idea we've been kind of back and forth a little bit in this episode like we're trying to bring in our pop culture references but we're also trying to talk about being parents fathers specifically so let's lighten it up a little bit and we'll just talk about you know we'll take turns saying a good dad and a bad dad <laughs> How does that sound? That sounds good. Okay. Give me give me a good dad, bad dad. All right. Good dad. He's got good in his name. Uh, John Goodman on Roseanne. He played Dan. Yes. Dan Connor. Um, I'd say he's a good dad. Bad dad. I'm trying to think if I want to go cartoon or like a physical <laughs> actor who's a bad dad. I'll say cartoon and just go with Peter Griffin. That's fair. Worst, worst dad, worst husband, probably worst human being. <laughs> right. And in, and it's fair to note that a lot of the bad dads we're going to list are, they're written that way with a comedic purpose. And we understand that. Um, but we're just going to have fun with it anyway. Plus, you know, I like Family Guy. It's hilarious. It is hilarious. Because he's such a horrible person. But it, yeah, it's, a lot of it is because he's really bad at everything. Um, right. So for me... Let's say good dad. This is surprisingly tough, actually. <laughs> I don't know if it was difficult for you, but surprisingly tough. I had uh, Roseanne was a great pull. Yeah, that was that was fantastic. Um, 
I have to go with, and I already mentioned him, so it's kind of a cop out. I have to go with Uncle Phil. Yeah, it was the best balance of like I'll be the kind of punching bag, and I'll still command the house. Which you know, I guess you could say that's another male stereotype for fatherhood that isn't necessarily necessary. Um, but he just had that like that presence of somebody who knew what was going on that the other characters could turn to is a better way to put it. Um, but also had those silly moments, and also had those moments where like. Um, I gave two examples off the top of my head because I love that show growing up. Um, the show where, or the episode where uh, Will and Carlton are in a bar and they're playing pool. Oh, yeah. And uh, Uncle Phil one. has to show up and handle business. He just happens to be amazing at pool. <laughs> so he hustles the guy back for all their money uh, by pretending to be bad at first. Um, and the other one, obviously, probably everyone's most known moment in that show is when uh, Will's real father shows up and then disappears and he has the the big why don't he want me man speech and um uncle phil lets the air breathe right like his character doesn't say anything the whole time he just gives him a big hug like he just knew exactly what was needed so that's my good dad probably one of the best tv dads of all time and j cole would obviously agree with me um (laughs) and if we're going cartoons for bad dads then you can't get worse than goku Uh, i had to do it i had mentioned it to you in a text earlier whoever goes first gets to say goku um like, so, you can't be a good dad if you're not there, bro. <laughs> well, you got to consider why he wasn't there, too. Because <laughs> he was dead. Because he was dead. <laughs> he was training with King Kai, but also he was dead while he was doing that. Okay, well, to be fair, and now we're just opening the can of worms. Uh-oh. After Namek exploded. Oh, yeah. And they, they got why? the Dragon Balls, and they were like, let's bring back dad. And the dragon was like, uh, Goku's not dead. And they're like, what? And then you find out later he learned how to literally teleport anywhere across the universe. Could have been there immediately. Could have been there, just didn't. He was like, no, I'll train instead. Yeah, so I'm not letting that. Okay. Not letting that uh, <laughs> died fighting Raditz thing get him off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> Dying saving the world's not going to get you off the hook for this <laughs> Not one. this time. We have a high standard at Ask Your Dad for Father. <laughs> <laughs> you want to do another one or you want to? Yeah, let's do another one. What okay. you, got? you said you had two. So my other one... I can't remember the show. I'm going to have to look it up. I believe it was Alan Thicke that was the dad. But also, I could just be totally wrong. Growing Pains. Yeah. Oh. Let me make sure this is the right show before I... <laughs> I can't remember enough about him to say why he was the good dad. Maybe I'll just pick a different good dad. <laughs> well, you're thinking of that. Let me think of... I have one for both. Okay. And it potentially be controversial oh this is exciting not in a like our show's over kind of way but in like when people hear it they're like are you kidding me um so i have one dad that i think is both good and bad and that is jack pearson from this is us did you ever watch that show not that i can remember i go back and forth whether i like the show or not um but i think for the most part i really did and for the most part i really did because it was an awesome display of like good wholesome but yet flawed fatherhood characters and uh so jack pearson is like this mythologized uh father figure in the show because when his three kids are in their teens he dies in a fire cool. so it's it's a non-linear story um so it flash forwards flashbacks constantly and in that first season you you watch him become a father and you watch him have his three kids he has two kids. The third of the triplets uh, doesn't make it through childbirth, but that same day he adopts another child. 
and it's that dynamic of them growing up and um anyway it's a really well-written show honestly especially in the first season um but the the big reveal of why when they flash forward jack's never there is that he dies in a fire he runs back into the fire to save their dog after everyone else is out safe and then um later in the hospital dies of smoke inhalation but like he's he was such a good attentive emotionally available good life lesson try his hardest to be there for his kids even when they were having problems uh father that like the entire premise of the show is basically living up to his shadow um in both good and bad ways but then on the other hand his flaws were like he had battles with alcoholism um he didn't always know how to handle the situation so sometimes when his kids were having problems uh, and maybe that's not even a fair way to say because nobody knows how to handle every situation not even fictional characters otherwise it'd be boring um <laughs> but you know he's he makes the wrong move sometimes too and i feel like there's a lot of instances where i was watching and i was like all right i don't i don't know if that's the way i would go so um, out of curiosity when's the last time you like did a watch through on the show um well, we, my wife and I watched it live as it was airing. So it's a recent show. Like it just, oh, okay. it just series finaled. Like, oh gosh, I want to say like maybe a year ago now. Actually, probably not even that. Oh, I was just curious because um, the first couple shows we listed, we watched when we were when we were kids. Right. So I was going to ask you. Gotcha, gotcha. No, this is a is a much more recent show. And to be fair, the majority of the show isn't about him anymore because he dies in that first season, but they flash back in every season constantly. So he like, he appears in this new situation. Uh, long story short, overall great dad, uh, but also has a lot of moments that like, I wouldn't have gone that way. So that's interesting because we're going to make mistakes like that as we parent our, our children. I'm sure I already have. <laughs> <laughs> I know that I have, <laughs> <laughs> but no. And like, and that's a good point too. Cause that's, this is the first father character on TV that I can specifically remember and recency bias and all that, that is a complete picture of a father that means well and desires to be a father. And that's another one of those stereotypes is like, Oh, I didn't mean to be a father. I just got put into this position. But like, um, this is a father figure on TV that specifically wanted to be there. It's probably definitely been done before. This is the first one that I've seen in a long time in modern viewing. I was like, Oh, okay. Which is, probably was such a big hit <laughs> started that with like i'm gonna come up with a jack gotcha that he did wrong oh. i'm gonna mention i can't remember off the top of my head uh because i have an awful capacity for details so uh i just really just made him look like an awesome dad instead <laughs> hey that works <laughs> so i guess it's not controversial at all everybody loves jack pearson bad dad i don't know if you ever watched shameless uh i haven't actually i've watched the American version of it, I know there there's a British version of it too that I haven't seen at all. But the dad on Shameless is named Frank Gallagher. Everyone on the show ends up being really awful at some point, but he is always awful. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's just a, you made that dad sound really good. This dad is really bad. <laughs> but um, I think that's probably good. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what the criteria is. If you wanted to be like, who's truly the worst dad, then you start picking characters that are written to be like specifically villains and, and antagonists and stuff. Be like, yeah, I don't think that Darth Vader guy was a very good father. <laughs> Chopped his son's hand off. You know what? I've seen worse. <laughs> that <laughs> remind me of a good sci-fi dad though. Um, 
Commander Cisco on Star Trek Deep yes. Space Nine. He was a good dad. And our friend Walker would appreciate that. That's his favorite Star Trek captain. That's uh, I think that's Matt's too. It makes so, sense. Yeah. If you know both Matt and Walker, that makes perfect sense. It does. <laughs> In um, a good way. <laughs> that sounded condescending when I said oh, it, and I want okay. to be very clear that that is a good compliment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, you live with one of them, and the other one's inevitably going to listen, <laughs> I'm sure. So I don't want to be stepping on toes. Right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess that's it, bro. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's end, end on it that right note. there. Yep, there we go. <laughs> uh, well, all right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Ask Your Dad. I'm Nick. And I'm Nick. And you just got grounded. You got grounded. That doesn't as, make sense. As punishment, you will <laughs> tune into our next episode. There you go. Yeah, we're gonna. This is a this is a smoke the whole pack situation. You've just listened to one episode. Shame on you. Now you have to listen to all of them. Yep. <laughs> At least we didn't wash your mouth out with soap this time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. This show is written, recorded, edited, and published by Nick Bender and Nick Troyer. You can follow our show on Instagram and Twitter at AskYourDadPod. That's A-S-K-U-R-D-A-D-P-O-D. If you'd like to support our show, you can donate to our Linktree page that will be linked in the episode description. Our theme song is Shimmering Lights by Punch Deck. You can find more great tracks at punchdeck.bandcamp.com. Until next time, if you have any questions, remember, you can always... Ask, Ask your, your dad. dad. with their mom not my mom (laughs) we can keep that in if you like (laughs) um anyway